Are you ready? It's that time! Welcome, everybody, to season four of Man Buns and Jesus. Bet you weren't expecting that today, but it is. This is season four. Uh, but it's also kind of just an intermission because we finished Corinthians. If you've been kind of listening in, you know that we we kind of made it through Corinthians. We made it through everything we wanted to, to touch on. And we're headed somewhere. We don't know where we're headed yet, but we're headed somewhere. So we figured, oh, we're going to do some Proverbs in, in the interim. So this is going to probably be our shortest season, but we do what we want. So who cares how many episodes are in a season? Uh, I think just for that, someday we need to do a season on Philemon. Uh, hey, that's like one of the longest Concordia commentaries, isn't it? I don't know. I don't have it. Uh, in any case, this is season four, episode one. I'm one of your hosts, Josh Laborious. I'm Pastor in Southern California, in the Eastvale, Corona, Ontario, Norco, Riverside area. Uh, just, we're, we're over here. Uh, we out here. And over there, on, on the other half of my screen, if you're listening to this, the other voice that you're hearing is the Reverend Benjamin Olschlager, the esteemed pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lake Orion, Michigan. And he's going to introduce us to our specific proverb for the day. So as Josh and I were starting to think about what we wanted to do after uh, Corinthians, um, one of the things that jumped to my mind, and I think this is something that kind of jumped to Josh's mind, um, is that there are a lot of people in the world who just lack wisdom. Uh, yeah, that's a fair statement, I think. And so if we can just provide a little wisdom in the world with this podcast, we will have achieved our goal. Um, and to start us off with some wisdom this week, uh, I want to introduce to you six things that the Lord hates. We are in Proverbs 6, uh, starting at verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. You can count them along at home if you'd like. Get the kids in on it. It'll be a great, great counting practice. Potty eyes. One. A lying tongue. Two. And hands that shed innocent blood. Three. Unless you a count heart, both hands. A heart that devises wicked plans. Four. Feet that make haste to run to evil. Five. A false witness who breathes out lies. Six. And one who sows discord among brothers. Seven. It's a very, uh, very wholesome number. The number seven. Yeah. It's a, a perfect abomination. Yeah. Except seven's not a perfect number. It's a completion number. Six is a perfect number. Mathematically, a perfect number is a number whose factors add up to itself. So six, one plus two plus three is six. If you count itself as a factor, then it's two N. But in any case, one of the major problems in mathematics right now is whether or not uh, odd perfect numbers exist. And they have supercomputers dedicated to just checking really big odd numbers to see if they're perfect numbers and you might say josh why does all that matter uh well for this podcast it doesn't at all uh, theoretically it matters because perfect numbers are a pretty big topic in cryptography and encryption algorithms but uh and anyway proverbs <laughs> yeah so the reason that this one jumped out to me uh, and I won't throw Josh under the bus as picking this one this week. Um, this was mostly me. The reason this one stuck out to me is because it feels like 
a decent place to start if you're just looking for like a foundational ethic. How to be how, a not how bad a, person. How to be a decent human being. Yeah. This is the baseline for that. So we're, we strive for above and beyond here at Man Buns and Jesus. But here's where to start, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. And uh, because Josh and I were, I don't know, maybe not. Josh was definitely the most vocal presence for this camp in seminary. Uh, I think I was just a, a silent supporter in the background for the most part uh, of when things got too theoretical, making them practical. Um, today's podcast is about being practical. Uh, yeah. So we want to we want to try and present to you like what these things mean and how to you know do better. So maybe a place to start with that is because this is like haughty eyes. Who uses the word haughty anymore? Like, and besides, Ben's got to take a call. Um, I want to I want to take these seven things and let's say translate them into modern English and kind of um, put them hopefully at a, at a pretty accessible level. It starts with haughty eyes. And this is kind of this, uh, I don't know, it's not a bad way to think about this, that haughty eyes, uh, arrogance, is that a fair, a fair connection to make? Like, I think so. Don't think better of yourself than like, and this this could probably be a whole uh, separate conversation, um, but the difference between confidence and arrogance. Um, and I actually think there's some theological weight to that conversation, and maybe we'll circle back to it. Um, and then you have a lying tongue. That one's pretty pretty obvious. That's dishonesty, is what it's getting at there. Uh, hands that shed innocent blood, and if we look at that kind of within uh what jesus talks about in the sermon on the mount that can kind of be expanded to those who don't seek to build up their neighbor so violence is what that's talking about a heart that devises wicked plans um <laughs> you're making you're making bad plans you want to do bad things yeah um, and to quote yeah. Jesus, it's not what comes in or what goes into a man that makes him unclean, but what comes out of him. Feet that make haste to run to evil. Uh, so that's kind of distinct because the heart is like you're, um, you're kind of generating these ideas. And then the feet distinction is like you're all aboard the bad idea train. Like your friend says, hey, let's go do this thing we shouldn't do. And you're like, yeah let's do it um a false witness who breathes out lies that i is connected to the lion tongue but that's more in like a legal sense or a reputation sense and then one who swords sows discord among brothers this is this is that's a big one it's uh that's just causing causing trouble causing arguments that don't need to be argued about so that's uh, kind of a colloquialization of these seven things, uh, recognizing the irony of the word colloquialization, which is not colloquial at all. A colloquialism for those who uh, who aren't following and who didn't get a good score on their <laughs> on their uh, verbal SATs. Yeah um is a phrase commonly used in the world to mean something oftentimes kind of like an idiom it's a saying that means something that maybe is not entirely clear um and it's not really a word or a phrase but it's used often enough that it's a word or a phrase so for example if you lived in pittsburgh pennsylvania yins is a colloquialism for you all um doesn't mean that it's good right or holy but it exists um oh uh, yeah that's doesn't mean that it's good right or holy yeah yeah 
anyway. so which one of the uh, is there any of these seven that you really want to dive into ben that you're just you get all excited about and you want to rant rant on for a minute i mean so we we've talked a little bit about a number of these um but I think I want to start with the first one from 19, false witness who breeds out lies. Um, and I want to start there by describing something else that some of you may have heard of before, but also may not necessarily know what it means. Um, and that's this idea called a straw man. Um, Josh, you're aware of what a straw man is, I hope. I yeah. Uh, are you looking for me to explain it? Because no, no, I can do that. I've I was... proved myself so adept at at like bringing things down to an accessible level. <laughs> um, so a straw man is honestly kind of what it sounds like. It's not a real person. It's a person made of straw. Um, but it's a person made of straw meant to look like someone else. And we do this figuratively, not literally. So a straw man argument is you are turning your opponent in an argument into something they aren't and then burning the straw man. Yeah. Because that's easier to do than actually like speak to whatever your opponent in that debate or argument is actually talking about. So and, frequently uh, what the straw man does is it pulls on the worst possible way to understand what they're trying to do and kind of like setting them up to knock them down or even just the way that's going to elicit the strongest reaction it doesn't yeah. even necessarily have to make them a terrible person it just has to like touch the right nerve at the right time it's something you see a lot on social media yeah well and a lot of political that, discourse is this kind yeah, of stuff and anytime like, there are a lot of there are a lot of political commentary like all those videos where they go up to people on the street and they find people on the street you know they find the worst possible person and that's the video they clip right uh whether that's the dumbest person or the angriest person or the most unreasonable person and they, they kind of set them up and they say, well, this is what all of the people who argue this point are. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the per I mean, if the person is unhinged or completely incompetent, it's pretty easy to then say, well, <laughs> this is wrong. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's on my mind right now because I just... I see it so much and it's annoying to me. Um, and it's a clear, to me, it's a clear violation of the eighth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Um, and it's like so much of what we do culturally to tear down one another. Um, and this might circle into the next one eventually um, that I'm going to throw at Josh because he wasn't prepared for it. Um, but like there is a level of arrogance and pride that exists in our culture in the United States that makes it so that when we feel like we're on the defensive about something, we like to turn to whatever the biggest gun we've got is speaking figuratively here uh and often that's usually just defaming the other person and oftentimes doing that deceitfully um by attacking their reputation or character in a way that it does not deserve to be attacked um Yeah. I miss the days when people just insulted people with creative names for each other and like didn't lie about who the other person was. I don't remember that ever being a, 
You're not uh, that much older than me. No. It, Are I'm you older than me at all? I'm, I think, a day older than you. Maybe two. June 12th? June 11th? Okay, maybe three or four. I'm anyway. June 95. Yeah, it's... I'm talking, like, reading uh, Luther and some of the other, like, old-school theologians, when they talk about the people that they're writing against, they present their arguments and do it pretty clearly and fairly, and then talk about why they're wrong, and then just insult the person with creative names along the way. Yeah, well, I... I don't know that it is ever productive <laughs> to like, here's, here's the thing. Okay. You can be a terrible person or a incompetent person or a dumb person mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean all your ideas are bad mm -hmm. in the same breath. You can be a very accomplished and successful and, and smart person a wise person even. That does not mean all your ideas are good. Uh, there's that's the entire premise of the movie The Glass Onion. I I've never I've never heard. Anyway, uh, in in the TV show South Park, there's a there's a there there's a pair of characters. Um, they're they're special needs boys. One is named Nathan, and the other is named Mimsy. And it's kind of like they're they're very much side characters. They only show up, you know, maybe once or twice a season. Um, but it's kind of set up like Nathan is this uh he's kind of a hateful villainous kind of kid uh who hates another special needs kid named Jimmy. So he's always trying to do stuff to to mess with Jimmy to well, or to get Jimmy killed or uh attacked by a shark or or whatever. Um but so Nathan frequently has Mimsy, who is kind of like the dumb henchman is kind of what he's typed as. He has him carry these out. So that's the character of Mimsy. But in, in one episode, uh, Mimsy's sitting in the back and it's, uh, and he has this moment where he says, because Nathan, the evil brain guy, uh, he doesn't want to go to camp and he's, he's doing all these elaborate plots to try and get out of going to camp and Nathan or, and Mimsy from the back says, well, why don't you just be honest with your parents and tell them that you, you really don't want to go to camp and that like, this isn't something you're interested in doing. And it's like, you're like, that's really good advice. That's like really wise for you to say, Mimsy. And then he goes back and says, oh, what do I know? Like, I'm an idiot. Um, so even, even Mimsy can have good ideas every once in a while. And the second you're having an argument with someone and you say, well, whatever, pick your personal attack. You're, as far, like, you've lost me. I, I, I might be one of the only people you've lost, but you've lost me. Because it's like, if their idea is that bad, just tell, like, talk about the idea being bad right um anyway yeah when you're when you're having discussions with people whether they're arguments or whether they are just discussions uh no need no need to get personal I, i'm not going to say no need to insult because that's like 50 percent of how guys interact so calm down insults are fine uh actually mean spirit and insults not fine <laughs> And there is a difference, and yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, where did you? Where did that come from? Which one was that talking about? That was uh, first half of nineteen, but then also speaking a little bit to seventeen too, because like, what's the thing that breeds the most contempt for others that causes us to set up like straw man arguments and to be like hurtfully insulting and all of that? usually some sort of pride or arrogance that's been in some way dinged. Yeah. Um, 
And I mean, like, so much of what so much of what I see as cultural problems in in the world. I want to chalk up to a lack of willingness to just ask the question, okay, what if I'm wrong? And then like encourage people to do an actual self-reflective and as deep as possible dive into what that means. Like yeah. if people were actually willing to do that, that'd be kind of nice. I, I think, yeah. I don't know that I, I don't know that I would go because I feel I feel uh, uncomfortable saying like I think most of or I think all of but I, I definitely say like that's a consistent problem we have as humanity is we have this arrogance in ourselves that the way I'm doing things must be right the way I'm doing things like must be the way that things need to get done. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's not true. I, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to be a universal fix for all of, all of the world, but like, I think it would lead to a lot less conflict and even where people disagree, it'd be a much more reasonable disagreement. Yeah. Well, and this, for me, this kind of brings up what is the what is the distinction between confidence and arrogance, and kind of meditate because confidence is, an, I think, an appropriate thing. I think that's, uh, I mean, because when it comes down to what, where is our confidence? Our confidence is in Christ. Our confidence is in the fact that uh, God loves us. And we have value because of that. We have value because God has said that we're that we're valuable enough for to save um, because of the value He has given us, the value He has assigned to us. Um, but when does that become arrogance? And I'm kind of just spitballing here. So I've got an image that might be might be able to help you here. Well. Let me tell you, let me tell you what I'm thinking, and then you can go for it. I think the line is confidence is intrinsic. I in that you have you have faith in the gifts God has given you. And it's not in relativity to something, it's uh I like I I have confidence that I can use technology well. That's it's not something like oh I can use technology better than the next guy. I said I am pretty confident if you put a piece of software in front of me, I can figure it out. It might take me some time, but I can figure it out. Um, whereas arrogance, I think arrogance is frequently in comparison to someone else it's not that i'm good at technology it's that i am better at technology than x y or z arrogance i think honestly it comes from insecurity because you it's not you, you don't have confidence in your abilities there's arrogance because you can point to being better than someone like you can set someone you you push someone down and it kind of elevates you in comparison um, I think that's at least that's when I when I would say, if I'm looking at someone and their words and their actions and their behaviors, that's where I'm gonna draw the line. Where if you are if you are confident in your own abilities and it's an intrinsic thing, I think that's confidence. I think when it's when you're always having to compare yourself to someone else, I'm probably gonna call it arrogance. I don't know if that's a good line to draw, but that's that's one that I kind of see that's one that i would put into place i'm going to give you another idea here i'm going to say that 
Confidence comes with a basis. Arrogance is baseless. Well, hold up here. Uh, do, you, do you remember, uh, what is his name? Abram Ibrahimovic? Okay, so this Zlatan? guy. Huh? Zlatan? Zlatan. Yeah, that was his, that was his first name. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, this is a guy, at, he, European soccer player. At one yeah. point, he was interviewed, and they said, uh, who do you think the best soccer players in the world are? And he gave Zlatan, a list. Zlatan, Zlatan, and no, Zlatan. No, 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 no. In this interview, he, like, he lists off Messi and Ronaldo, and, and I think Neymar at the time was, was made the list. So he listed all these players, and then the interviewer said, I noticed you didn't list your like you didn't list yourself. And he, and he looked at her stone face. He said, um, "Lions don't compare themselves to sheep." And he at when he was starting to get toward the end of his career, he figured, "Oh, I'm going to transfer to the MLS and and be an all star." And, and when he transferred, he transferred to, um, I it was either LAFC or the LA Galaxy. I don't remember. It was Galaxy. It was the Galaxy, and he took out a full-page ad in the LA Times. It was just a picture of himself, full-color ad, and it said, you're welcome, LA. Okay, this guy was good at soccer, right? He was good at soccer. No one can, like, no one can say he, he, like, if you put him and me on a soccer field, I'm never going to touch the ball, right? However, that is arrogance. <laughs> That I, I disagree. So that's I. <laughs> I don't know because I think arrogance can come with capability too. Maybe it's. I'm not uh, saying. I'm not saying that that's not the case. Are you saying I is think, it confident? Well, is arrogance confidence that outstrips capability? That's that's probably a better. That's probably a better way of putting it, because like so here's, the the original. Uh, like image that was in my head there's a clear line uh if you look back at okay this is going to get into war history which like three people on that listen to this podcast might actually enjoy this point um if you look at world war one that is the turning point between uh commanders that rise to their rank because of prestige and heritage and commanders that rise to their rank because of capability like that is the last war where you really see that kind of thing happen and in the uh, austro-hungarian empire who was on the side of germany their commanders were completely and utterly inept because it was so much based on who you were related to far more than it was based on like what capabilities you had. And so they just got lit up by armies that were way worse than they were. They got beat by the Italians. And if you need to know anything about war, the Italians generally suck at war. <laughs> the Romans were good, but the Italians are not the Romans um and they yeah and the austro-hungarians just kept getting lit up to the point where germany basically had to fight their war for them um and then on the flip side of that you had nations like great britain and germany and some of the other smaller nations that took part in the war who elevated people based on their ability and so when they sent soldiers into battle they had confidence in their ability to win the battles because they were actually better they were better trained, they were better equipped, like they knew what they needed to do. So there was a confidence there that was based on experience. And oftentimes it also came with a, a level of humility. Could that turn into arrogance? Absolutely. But at least it wasn't the, oh, we're going to win because, <clears throat> you know, uh, Grand Duke Schmaltz's nephew is leading us today. It's just hope uh, you yeah, you gotta watch last night. Grand Duke Schmaltz. Yeah. I just made up a name there. That's not an actual guy. But at least as far as I know. I was about to say, you don't know that. Um, anyway, but to the Zlatan 
uh, comparison that you brought up, like, I think Zlatan showed arrogance the moment that he just assumed it would be an easy championship. I'm pretty sure it took him three years to win an MLS Cup. Yeah, no, let's be clear. Zlatan did not do well in the MLS. He, he did he initially. He got sold back to some yeah. no-name team somewhere. He did initially, and then he hated it. Like, the level of competition was a little higher than he expected. The level of physicality was a lot a lot higher than he expected or that he liked. Yeah. Um, For anyone who doesn't know, American soccer is different than European soccer in that it's, it's well, parts of it are much more violent. Um, it kind of depends where we're, – we're not going to get into this. It depends where teams get their players. Uh, that's part of it, yeah. It, it's much more like it's it's soccer of the Americas, which yeah, for the most closer, part it's, it's just more like physical. South American soccer than it is European soccer. Yeah, it's just more physical. It's it's a more physical brand of soccer, and that like Europeans don't necessarily always like that. Um, so Zlatan didn't like that. Yeah. Um, were there like? Things that he said that probably were out of confidence and not out of arrogance, sure. But I don't remember hearing any of them. <laughs> um, like, well, and here's here's something else. I'm pretty sure that there was another interview that he did, by the way, where somebody asked him who the best player of the world was, and he answered himself 11 times. Um, that doesn't surprise me. I believe that. Yeah. Well, and maybe here's another part. Uh, could part of the difference between confidence and arrogance be uh, arrogance points to itself mm. because when I, when I, when, and maybe this is just me, when I picture a confident person, it's someone who lets their work or their skills or whatever speak for itself. Mm -hmm. Whereas an arrogant person is like, Hey, look at me, look at what I did. Look how great this was. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I, I was thinking while you were explaining like this idea that confidence that outstrips capability it has become arrogance um and i'm thinking like messi mm -hmm. who one of the best if not the best in the world if he because he's going he's starting to play in miami next month if he were to go and he were to take out a page in the in the miami herald and say you're welcome miami i don't care that he's the best that's still arrogance um so I wonder if it's if part of it is also are you like are you to are you tooting your own horn? Yeah, I think some of it is also just based on on concrete evidence too. Like confidence is based on on evidence. Um, like if I went to okay, here's a practical example from earlier this week. Um, we had a power outage here at church, and we had some technical issues getting everything started back up. Um, and I called our tech guy and he's a pretty confident guy, uh, because he knows technology, he knows server systems, he knows, um, you know, small church networks. Well, um, he can manage that kind of stuff incredibly effectively. Um, and he does it with a, a sense of humility and a sense of like, you know, I've been here 50 million times before. I can probably help you with your problem too. Love that about the guy. Um, so there's like a, a security in, in that confidence that like, we've done it before, we can do it again, as long as it's, you know, something that I can, as long as I know what the issue is, right? Where arrogance is like, um, Josh and I's former boss at the seminary, uh, we shall remain nameless in this podcast. Um, you're, gonna throw, uh, you're gonna throw Connor under the bus like that? <laughs> We're not talking about Connor here. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Now who I do. Was... At first, I thought you were talking about John, and I was like, No, I, no. I don't know if I'd say. I mean, maybe a little bit, but Klinger was sarcastically arrogant. He was not actually arrogant. Yeah. Um, but. After I thought about box, it for exactly just... one second, I know exactly who you're talking about. And we're not going to get me on a rant about that guy. Because no. he is single-handedly the reason I hate the St. Louis Blues more than any other sports team on this earth. 
and let that say all it needs to about arrogance that it just it drives people up a wall um this guy thought he could do anything and everything and thought he was perfect at everything and anything um and he actually sucked at a lot of it and made working for him kind of miserable um and made any association with the st louis blues who i already kind of disliked as a team because they were kind of dirty for most of my like ho hockey watching career they still kind of are um but it made them the most loathed team in my mind and in josh's um so yeah let that say everything it needs to about arrogance yeah um and to be like if you if you are an arrogant person i know you're not going to hear this uh in the way maybe that you get sent this podcast because of that yeah it's not constantly pointing to your own strengths and or belittling other people to highlight yourself. No one thinks you're cool. Uh, people like, just don't. Have some humility, uh, have some class, stop it. Um, yeah. And, I that's, think, and honestly... that's coming from like, this is something I, I think I sometimes struggle with myself. Uh, I, I struggle with insecurities about different things. And there, there are definitely times in my life, I, I like to think that I've gotten a lot of it under control, but there are times in my life where arrogant would have been a great word to describe me. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like, it's something worth struggling against. It, it really is. Um, so I, I want to I shift a little bit if you're okay with that. Um, I, I got a segue if you want, unless you want to. You segue away. Next. I was just going to. Okay ham-fistedly jump into another part of this okay. i was gonna say like i think a big part of arrogance that we like like we've been talking about is that it causes you to do things that are unintelligent because you have such a confidence or not yeah such a like unfounded confidence in your own abilities um that when it fails or even before it fails you dive into things that maybe aren't intelligent, um, if not downright evil. And I think like, like Josh said, to some extent, arrogance is a reflection of a person's insecurities, a person's pride, um, a person's need to be the center of something. Um, and you start to devise plans around that. And I've, I've loved this definition of sin for a long time, but um, I was taught in confirmation that sin is uh, ourselves turn inward. When we turn our focus and our attention to ourselves rather than to God and to our neighbors, um, it causes sin. And that's also the cause of arrogance. It's the cause of our desire to, to create evil or to be a part of evil. Um, and I think that's maybe where we could go next, Josh, is uh, verse 18. Yeah. Well, and I... I... Here's the thing, because you could say, well, a heart that devises wicked plans and feet that make haste to run to evil. I think there's this stupid idea out there that like when people do things that are wrong, it's an accident or they didn't know. I think in the overwhelming majority of the time, when people do things that are wicked or evil or bad or sit like whatever word you want to use to describe it they know mm -hmm. what what has happened and this is something that adults are much better at than children is they somehow justified it like someone who robs a bank knows that robbing a bank is wrong i everyone's aware of that but somehow they justified and they said my my reason for robbing the bank justifies what i'm doing um, there's a there's a classic moral experiment 
um, and I, I wrote a paper about this in undergrad because uh, I was comparing different stages of development and their moral development. Um, so the, the thought experiment is this, okay? A dude's wife is dying of cancer or some, some disease. And a pharmacist has the drug that would cure the disease. Like that, cure the disease. Um, the pharmacist gets the drug for $5 and sells it for 50,000 because you know it's a drug that could save life. The husband cannot, cannot afford the drug. So he breaks into the pharmacy after hours and he seals the $5 cancer drug, okay? And then the question is, was the husband wrong? If you ask a kid who hasn't been, who uh, is still, hasn't reached the concrete operational stage of thinking yet, the kid will say the husband was wrong for stealing. If you ask someone who has reached that, the concrete operational stage, which means they can process uh, abstract thought and kind of multi-step thinking and critical thinking, they say, well, he shouldn't have stolen, but like it was for the greater good, right? He was saving a life. The pharmacist was really the one in the wrong. For so, like they justify, it, even though stealing is still wrong. So when we say you should avoid a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, you know what is wrong. God has written His law in our hearts. Um, and certainly there is some gray area where we would have to explore if something is right or wrong. But by and large, you know what is wrong. So what this is saying is, you know it, actually listen to that voice and you don't plan to do those things that are wrong. Um, and this, so when you're thinking a heart that devises wicked plans, this is, this is pre plan this isn't talking necessarily about like, in the heat of the moment, you do or say something that you shouldn't do. That's a different conversation. But this is, you are intentionally putting thought into saying, I am planning down the line. I am going to do this thing I shouldn't do. So it's saying, I know it's wrong. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. So it's, don't do that. And then the feet that make haste to run to evil, it's, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to seek it out. So both of these are, th this is not saying that sins committed in the heat of the moment are, are not sins. They still are. But what this proverb is talking about is discipline yourself to when you are, when you have time to think about it, when it's a conscious decision or a conscious action, don't do the wrong thing. And it's like, and we can, you can dive in and, and people nitpick and they get into the weeds. But the reality is, don't do things you shouldn't do. It's, it's less hard than you would think. If, if, <laughs> and that's like, say, say, I mean, how much better would the world be if all the only sins we had to deal with were ones committed in the heat of the moment? We'd be much better off. Ladies and gentlemen, we really would. Um, so, and, and I mean, like, if you think about it, the sins committed in the heat of the moment, like the way you respond to them, just logically on the back end, is far different than a premeditated one. Um, for example, if, um, if Josh and I were feuding for some reason and uh i were to the next time i saw him walk straight up to him and just you know uppercut right to the face um i probably one, don't say that don't say that ben um, if you punch me in the face i probably did something to deserve it where you woke me up too early um, oh that's fair <laughs> well that's on me so <laughs> that was actually going to be my my second example um so on the one hand if i i premeditate that punch and then the next time josh sees me i walk up to him and punch him in the face um josh is going to have a much different 
like response to that, then um, I have sleep issues. And so sometimes uh, when I wake up from a deep sleep, my body goes into fight or flight. Um, and I've taken swings at people trying to wake me up before, um, which is why I go to great lengths to make sure that I wake myself up at this point. Um, but if Josh were to, I don't know, like we were at a conference together or something and Josh woke me up, uh, cause he fell asleep during a session. Yeah. This sounds uh, like a pretty believable scenario so far. Honestly, probably. And I took a swing at him and, and clocked him in the face. Um, I'm still sinning because I'm I'm hurting a guy that had no reason to be hurt. But like, he's going to be much more forgiving of that situation. Uh, There's so much truth to that. Right? I'm Because I'm picturing myself, right? Uh, we're at the best practices conference. And I picture you walking across the lawn they have and just decking me. I would be mad. Yeah. We would throw hands. But if I woke you up in the back of a conference room and you like swung and you were still half asleep, I'd be like, I get it. Yeah. I, I still would probably wouldn't be happy about it, but like, I'm not going to fight you over it. So, I mean, it speaks to the, the truth here. Yeah, absolutely. God hates, and God has designed us like premeditation and kind of intentionally ignoring the conscience we have been given is worse than sins committed in the heat of the moment um yes. from a human perspective right i'm not talking about justification here i'm talking about horizontal righteousness for anyone who would jump on me for that um so and just, so there's an especial warning in this particular proverb to hate premeditation and to hate the kinds of sins that seek out evil rather than like the kinds of things that we do out of desperation or panic or um whatever like the scenario that you laid out with the guy who uh who stole the cancer drug like in my mind there's even two different ways that that could go like is this the last possible option that he has in that case i maybe won't fault the guy as much well as if... exactly because then it's a panic response it's a mo exactly it's not a premeditated he's panicking he's got to save his wife he breaks into the place it's exactly different. he plans a whole heist there's yeah. a mission impossible <laughs> about it dun, 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 at this dun, point, dun, dun. wait we probably get copyright strike if i keep going on that he's he spent more planning the heist than the drug would have cost <laughs> <laughs> at that point it's just on principle he'd rather support the support the small businesses that uh that made all of the hardware than the... uh yeah so and it's as simple as that. Yeah. Don't don't have a heart that that plans evil and don't be so excited to jump into it when the opportunity arises. Um, yeah. And I think that that leads back into the last couple of things we see in 17 too. Um, they just kind of track down that same path. Like if your tongue is consistently lying, um, chances are that your your heart and your mind are telling you that's what you should do because that's where your heart and your mind are um and if your hands are are frequently ready to to throw uh to throw hands then uh chances are your heart's maybe in the wrong place um um you're already seeking out those kinds of evil things anyway yeah, well, and a last note on this, because I, I do want to talk about the end of verse 19. Um, yeah. The good news is that what, eight, what, what verse 18 is talking about, what we've been talking about, it's a lot easier to deal with. Because it is a cognitive thing. It is a decision thing. Okay, Sin, like if you're saying, well, the goal is to minimize and eliminate sin in our lives this is a goal sins that are kind of in the moment and emotional response those are really really hard to deal with because you don't get to think about them you have to like you have to shape your character which is like that's a pet topic of mine is how we do that 
but it's a lot easier to just learn and apply to kind of premeditated cognitive kind of thing. Like it's a lot easier to make a right decision in those situations where you have time to think about it than it is in the heat of the moment. Um, so, but I do, like I said, I do want to get to this. Uh, the Lord considers an abomination one who sows discord among brothers. Um, and I don't know if, I don't know if this was written as like literal people who would divide like literal siblings. Um, I don't think it's inappropriate given the context of the rest of scripture to say um, that. And I think if you look at the New Testament, especially, you can say that this applies to kind of the, the more general, like Ben is my brother in Christ, that kind of brother. Um, and this is, this is talking about just creating division and starting arguments just for the sake of doing it. Um, what we're not saying, what this isn't saying is to avoid conflict at all costs. Because conflict is important for healthy relationships. Conflict is important. Like if you have a disagreement about something, that the appropriate thing to do is to talk about it and to discuss it and, and have a, a kind and a compassionate conversation about that disagreement, right? Conflict is not what's at issue. It is discord. It is conflict it, that doesn't need to be there. Um, I think a good example of this is the fall. Like the the very purpose of the serpent is to sow discord into the relationship between Adam and Eve. Um, he convinces Eve that, and God for him in there too, you know, kind of important character in the whole story. Yeah. Um, but he, he goes about his work by convincing Eve that Adam or that God's commands aren't necessarily that trustworthy and that she doesn't necessarily need to uh, fully respect what her husband has been telling her either and then you look at their their responses to um to god when they're confronted about this whole situation uh adam blames eve eve blames blames the serpent uh and the serpent just goes i got you exactly like um that's the kind of thing I think this proverb is really speaking against. It's just like, what good was the serpent trying to accomplish? None. Absolutely none. And what good came out of the situation? Absolutely none. So, like, the serpent was just doing it for a good time, basically. And that's that's the very, like, the very worst kind of situation of, of this kind of thing. Um, I think uh, uh, there's another there's another uh, example that's coming to my mind, but I'm having a hard time figuring out how to describe it. So I'll throw this at you and you can see if you can do something with this. Um, there's a style of, of leadership that that bothers me um which one i just, political. i'm in a leadership styles class right now political. so i probably read on it huh political the the one where you you garner people around a base uh yeah that is um give me a second you you continue to set up i will i'll let so, you know because i know it has a, a name there there are ways that we that we gather in society um, around people, around relationships, around uh, common ideas. Um, and my my like least favorite of those. It is leader member exchange theory is what it's called. Sure. Um, uh, a description might help and I have one. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, I want to scroll down. I have a okay. So here's um, in ex well, 
exchange leadership theory is a theory that conceptualizes leadership as a process that's centered on the interactions between leaders and followers, which we say, oh, that doesn't sound so like that just sounds like basic leadership. Um, but here's kind of where it comes from is this idea. Um, there are two types of relationships in these organizations. There's the in-group and then there's the out-group and the leadership uh, prioritizes and, and the in-group and in turn, the in-group then uh, works more effectively or more dedicatedly to the goals of the organization or the goals of the leader. Um, yes. So it, yeah. it divides within an organization um, for the leader's purposes. Yes. And in my eyes, it's not necessarily, I mean, it's not a bad thing to, to gather with people um, that share a common purpose with you. That's the very point of the church. Uh, we gather around getting to know Christ, getting to know our God, making him less mysterious, um, and also receiving the gifts that he has for us. Um, but when you're doing that in such a way that like you're creating an in-group and an out-group, uh, or if you're doing that in such a way that it, it ostracizes people who may just not share your specific view of that particular mission, um, I think you're doing an incredible disservice and you're sowing unnecessary discord. Um, I think a pretty easy example of this, because I, I mean, frankly, I don't know a lot of people who do this in person. Mm. Um, I think as a general rule, most people are conflict adverse, so they're not going to stir the pot in person. However, people are more than willing to do it online. Okay. And post divisive thing and and here i'm i'm gonna make this statement and i know there are situation where situations where this statement is incorrect i am don't think there are very many of them though. um you are not going to have a productive uh conversation that's going to lead to healthy conflict resolution in the comments section of any part of the internet you're not going to do it right uh you're you're <laughs> You're probably not going to, uh, yeah, you're, you're just not going to do it. Um, so it is not productive. It is not helpful to post things that you know are going to be divisive on the internet, whether it's a blog or a, a Facebook or a Twitter or a, a video or like whatever. You know what's divisive. Come now, you know. And you know you're going to get a reaction out of people. It is not helpful. You are sowing discord. You are creating the, chaos for the sake of chaos. The most obvious like version of this is the post that's like, if you don't agree with me on this, we're you not can friends. unfriend me now. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've legitimately unfriended some people because of that. Um, and even people that I agreed with, not because of the not because of the content of the post, because yeah. of the principle of the post. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, or muted more more than I unfriended typically. Um, just I don't want to see posts from this person for thirty days. Yeah, exactly. You're in timeout. <laughs> yeah, I love this news feature on Facebook. It should it should really be called timeout. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, that kind of just like creating division for the sake of creating division is so unnecessary and so unhelpful in so many ways. And uh, I want to I want to take a little bit of a a sermon on the mount approach to this, um, okay. especially because. I don't like, I genuinely, I don't know a lot of people. Like I'm struggling to think of an example where someone would do this in person. And part of that is because I'm blessed. Like my family gets along really well together as a general rule. So, cause I, yeah. Um, 
but the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus does for a lot of the Sermon on the Mount is he takes something and he he kind of almost flips it into like, yeah, the commandments told you what to avoid, but here's what you should be seeking out. So an example was Jesus goes beyond saying, don't lie. He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So mm -hmm. what he's saying there is lives in a life that is so consistently honest and trustworthy that if you say yes, people know you're going to be there. You don't have to say, oh, I swear I'm going to be there. like, you don't have to add any promises to that. It is just yes. Um, so with that applied here, you shouldn't sow discord, but the flip side of that is you should seek to build up the relationships between the people that surround you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, like uh, a couple of our, uh, Ben is one example. And then say Andrew Mazel was another one of our friends from seminary. When I'm interacting with Ben and Andrew, and it's the three of us, I should be doing my best to help Ben and Andrew grow in their in their brother brotherhood with each other. Um, so kind of the flip side of that, I think, is is maybe a more beneficial way for us to think about uh, application here is how can you build up the relationships in, in a healthy way, in a faithful way of the people around you? Do we know if Andrew's ever listened to the podcast? Uh, probably not. <laughs> I'll tell him he got a shout out. If he ever listens to this episode. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hello. We said hi to. And William. And Blue. Yeah. yeah. Lots of important. Lots of important creatures. Important people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I think I've said all I want to say about these, these four verses. Yeah. I think so, too. We're going to return the next, probably about the next month than a half-ish or so um i'm doing a fair bit of traveling over the next few weeks uh and we're working on uh what we want to do for our next like larger series after this so if you have any suggestions on a book that confounds you uh that you would like for us to to tackle more deeply um we'd be happy to just we shall consider it yes um, it may not happen in the most timely manner. That's all I was going to say. Uh, might take I just had a thought. Uh, we should talk about Revelation next, and our first guest should be Bruce Shippard. Oh, boy. That's I don't a, know if that's a serious suggestion or not. I'll have to meditate on that. <laughs> um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting suggestion, but it's a dangerous suggestion. Yeah. We could so, get... Take like away we are notoriously off topic and we could get even more off topic than normal yeah that would be an interesting one it would be it would be what's the takeaway um, for this episode benjamin i think my takeaway for this episode is study your proverbs um there's a lot of good wisdom there um and if there's a proverb that you know of in scripture that you want us to take a look at even if it's a weird one you can shoot us that too um but especially today, like start to form a moral, uh, a moral foundation, base it off of Christ and off of the, the things you find in scripture um, and be ready to respond so that when you end up in those situations where you're uh, but potentially inclined to sin because of panic or whatever, that that's not your gut reaction. Um. And my takeaway is I like all of these actually. Uh, I think I want to stick with um, that last one, that last part of 15. Strive to be someone who brings peace into situations and into relationships uh, more than you bring discord. Um, like I said, there are situations where conflict is necessary and conflict is healthy, but be the person who only does bring in conflict when it's actually necessary, faithful, and healthy. So um, that's that's this first episode of season four, and we do have a new thing. We have a new thing happening that I'm really excited about. <laughs> it's it's totally ridiculous um we have merch now you can we buy have merch. merch 
Huh? We have a merch. A merch. We have a item of merchandise that you can purchase if if you are so inclined. Um, it's mostly a joke. Like full disclosure, it's mostly a joke. But you can actually purchase it if you'd like. Um, there is a shirt. Uh, you have to go to you can go to edgewaterlutheran.org. Um, and there's there's a gear tab. It's under that, so it's sold through Edgewater. Um, and it's a it's a man buns and Jesus T-shirt. It has the if you've seen our logo, which is a silhouette of our faces and our man buns. Um, it has that pretty big on the front, and that's it. And then on the back, it says "Man Buns and Jesus is my favorite podcast." So. I put the host's faces on my shirt. Like I said, mostly a joke, but that's, I mean, it, it very much fits with the theme of the show. So that's going to be our, our first piece of merchandise is that shirt. And um, you'd think we here at Man Buns Jesus, despite everything, we strive for quality. So this shirt is the nicest t-shirt I could find with this provider. It is, it is the Cadillac of custom t-shirts, which means it's kind of, like the t-shirt the costs almost $30. But if you would like an almost $30 Man Buns and Jesus shirt with our faces on the front, go ahead, you can buy it. Please, please, for the love of all things holy, send me a picture of you wearing it because that will make <laughs> my day. I will not be able to stop laughing for 30 minutes straight if I receive a picture of someone wearing a Man Buns and Jesus t-shirt. Oh. Um, anyway, so we do have that. We also, we invite you to uh, mash Send this that subscribe button. Uh, yeah, like, subscribe, comment on the Facebook page if there's something you want to reach us out to us about. We do have it. We check it occasionally. Yeah, uh, especially if you, if you don't have another way to contact us. Uh, send this episode to someone who lies or someone who is arrogant or someone who makes wicked decisions on, on the regular. Uh, or someone who just needs some wisdom. Yeah. And if you receive this podcast from a friend, we're sure they love you. Um, <laughs> there, yeah, we'll just leave that there. Um, we're done. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.